0: Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. Patrick Vieira bids au revoir to the Riviera as he is sacked by OGC Nice after five consecutive losses in all competitions. Kylian Mbappé scored his hundredth goal for Paris Saint-Germain as Le Parisien capped off an excellent week with a win away at Inform Montpellier. Lille shake off their Europa League fatigue to beat high-flying Monaco at the Stade Pierre Mauroy. Lyon make it four wins in a row after beating Mess in an un, in eventful match. Uh, we'll be taking a look at these talking points, plus asking whether Marseille can qualify for the Europa League now that they look to have broken their curse and much more. Um, I'm your host, Jake Smales. I'm joined uh, by Philippe Bargiel. Good evening, Phil.
1: Hey, good evening.
0: Uh, we also have Eric Devin here. Good afternoon, I guess, for you, Eric. Yes, yes. Hey, Jake. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Great to have you on, Eric. And uh, of course, Muhammad Ali is here. Hey, Mo. Hi, guys. Um, So before we get stuck into the weekend's action, um, I feel we should have a uh, brief discussion about Patrick Vieira's dismissal as Nice manager. Vieira was sacked after Nice's 3-2 defeat to Bayer Leverkusen, which made it five defeats in all competitions, as I said at the top of the show. They are out of the Europa League, sitting on just three points in their group, nine points behind Leverkusen and Slavia Prague, and sit 11th in Ligan. They finished 7th in Vieira's first season in charge, and then 5th in last year's truncated season based on the points per game um, calculations. And that was following the INEOS takeover in the summer of 2019, that has since seen them spend over £72 million in transfer fees. However, this season, they have failed to kick on and progress, uh, resulting in this decision. Um, assistant coach Adrian uh, Ursea is now set to remain the team's head coach, at least until the end of the season. Um, we've spoken um, before, guys, about how perhaps some of the criticism has been a little bit harsh. You know, Nisa, obviously, without uh, Dante, who is so key to them, who's out for the season, but... Um, You know, there have been lots of criticism that the side have lacked um, a cohesive uh, philosophy or style of play and that um, Vieira hasn't really kind of been able to help the younger players brought in to progress. Um, Eric, we'll start with you. Do you think this was the right decision and the right time? I think you may be muted, Eric. This is, sorry, decision's a bit harsh, I think. Um,
2: I don't think that Vera had really evinced much to keep him in the job. I think that his performances lacked cohesion, lacked tactical continuity. Um, but that being said, you lose Donks. You've had Yusuf Atal out for long stretches of the season. Casper Dolberg out for long stretches of the season. Uh, transfers haven't come off. Uh, thinking particularly about Alexis Claude Maurice, he was a club record signing. At the time of his arrival, you know, Jeffren Adelaide is kind of really only getting back into shape, get, getting back into form. Uh, you know, e- even this match at the weekend, you were missing um, Pierre Elise Malou's welter injury. Hassane Kamara was injured. Um, you, you know, th- this season, I don't think that the club invested enough to give them the proper depth for the Open League, and I think that you know, as we've seen with Leo and, and Ren, um Lille's win of the weekend notwithstanding, uh, you know, that that rotation, that that nonstop barrage of matches, especially given the ultra compressed format of the group stages this year in Europe, I think is really taking its toll on teams, and I think that Nice are certainly far from immune to that. Um, so the circumstances may make it seem a little bit harsh, but I think the the truth of the matter is, um you know the club. I, I think we sort of poorly constructed, and um, Vera is taking a having taken a hard line. I mean, something we saw right from the get go with him, with how he handled the Mario Balotelli situation, uh, meant that you know he was always going to be a, a bit of a taskmaster, a bit of a tough manager under which under whom to play for. And um, yeah, I, I think that you know someone who I think someone with such a young team you'd need. Yeah, a bit more of a, a hand-on-the-shoulder style manager, and it doesn't seem as if he was that in particular because I don't really think that he necessarily improved any of the young players he, he had under his command. I in. Mean, maybe Atal, I think, sort of came out of nowhere and, and impressed, but I I don't... I think, you know, maybe Walter Benitez, but, you know, he was, I, I think, already coming into his own before Vieira had arrived. I don't, I don't know, but... I would open this to <clears throat> Phil and Mo as well, but I don't think any of these players are better players after having worked with Vieira. Um, yeah, I'm certainly to think of an exception. I think that really is the biggest indictment of him and why he he did have to go. Yeah,
0: would I mean, um, um, yeah. uh, Phil, for example, would you would you agree with uh, with what Eric's saying there that perhaps that is the biggest problem? You know, because. Ineos have spent so so heavily on particularly on kind of younger players with with room for improvement and that that seems to be the model that they want to uh, adopt you know that model that I guess you had uh, you have at other sides you know even even kind of neighbours Monaco uh, in more recent seasons perhaps not so much right now but certainly in the past of buying younger players and um, improving them and you know someone like Leonardo Jardim was able to do so well at doing that but Vieira kind of struggled hasn't he?
1: Yeah, I agree with, uh, with what Eric said, So uh, um, the first part, where uh, it may seem harsh, I mean I was asked that question after the Slavia Prague home defeat, uh, which was bad, <coughs> very bad, uh, losing I believe 3-2 at home, so losing losing uh, against Prague away is not uh, is not particularly good, uh, for a French line, no disrespect to the Czech league, um, and losing at home is, is even worse. And I was asked—I uh, think it was uh, the preview show with uh, with Lewis—whether uh, Vieira's, uh, Vieira's uh, position was in jeopardy. And I said, I said no. And then he goes on and uh, and gets uh, gets sacked. And I thought it was a pathetic, pathetic move by the nice board. I said, uh, come on, he did get get you Europa League just because just because he he he's struggling in the Europa League and and being humbled by modest sides, I mean, it, Nice are not the first side to to lose home games against, uh, shall, shall we say, uh, well, not not minnows, but sides they should be doing better against. Um, so I thought it was extremely harsh, um, and I, I agree also with the second part that he, you don't see a, a particular um, growth of growth of the players uh, have, after having played for for Vieira. I think Roni Lopez is is probably having. Um, yeah, uh, quite not a catastrophic year, but you know, not not a very good year. He's a talented winger, and he should be more threatening down the wing than he actually is. Uh, um, one thing I will uh, add is uh, I, I watched the uh, I did watch a press conference with uh, um, uh, the chairman Rivera, uh, intonizing. Um, Adam Urser so, is a uh, Swiss, Swiss-Romanian, uh, he did uh, quite a lot of uh, jobs uh, as an assistant to uh, Lucien Favre, he had a f- very few first-team options and I was actually quite surprised because uh, it seemed to me like a panic decision by Rivera, it seemed to be okay, we, we got humbled by our, in our Europa League group, so I'm second Vieira and I'm not really sure what to do next. But actually, in the press conference, he says uh, we are taking a, uh, a gamble with the assistant manager. He's been there a while, and uh, he's he is going to be the new manager until the end of the season. So I think there's some kind of structure to that, and we'll see how it goes. And uh, I think it's it's not a, it's not a, I think it's an intelligent move because it shows it it basically it tells the the, um, the assistant manager that he has what it takes to to become the manager that the, the board trusts him. And that he uh, he has until the end of the season to do something something about it. Now the squad he inherited is not uh, is not um, com- well. First of all, it's not not everyone is fit. It's not complete, shall we say. So yeah, he's got his his hands tied. It's going to be difficult, but uh, I reckon he'll he'll be given he'll be given time, and maybe uh, maybe until the uh, uh, maybe. Uh, he'll still be the next season. So it's not yeah, um I mean it's not as as um uh, rash a decision as as I thought it was. Mo, what what
0: do you make of um of this decision to, to give the job to um to Adrian Ursia until the, the end of the season because I get that you know it's a difficult um climate kind of footballing wise and maybe there aren't the right options out there. So you know, perhaps they just can't be able to, 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 perhaps that is a safer option, let's say, than trying to, to bring someone in. What do you think of that? Yeah. And um, and secondly, just a, another part to that, we had a question on, on Twitter by, by Corey Michael, who asked, who do you think uh, Nice will look at as a, a long-term replacement? So yeah, two parts to that one.
3: <laughs> well, um, good question. Um, I think, as <laughs> as um, Phil described, or say having links to the previous managers, I think that could be sort of looking at revitalising parts of the previous eras um, of management that have worked very very well for Nice. Obviously, we had uh, Lucien Favre and Claude Puel just before, who managed Champions League qualification and you know getting top four, top five finishes. Um, obviously, in that context, Vieira hasn't done that poorly with a seventh place, eighth place, um, but given the cycle that Nice were in with Ineos investment, something has obviously gone wrong. I think the, 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 what lit the torch paper was a disagreement with the board um, that led to his departure. So I think in that context, we can look at this as perhaps a little bit of a surprise departure, um, as well as the fact that they haven't really backed him this summer as compared to last year, obviously given COVID. Um, but the idea that they are you know, giving this to the assistant is I think personally riviere looking back to some better recent days where things have worked so well with the assistants uh with, sorry with 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 the with the previous managers and tasking this year to revitalize that um you it's absolutely right that they're not going to be able to afford um high caliber coaches um obviously the project has you know stayed static over the last six to twelve months um and I personally think that it's going to be a massive turnaround for them to qualify back into the Open League given that there's, you know, more than six uh, good teams that have started off very, very well this season. Um, so, I mean, the first name that obviously comes to mind all the time is Lauren Blanc, who incidentally, has, along with Patrick Vieira, has also been linked with the potential non job with uh, Christian Gorkov suffering there. Um, I'd like to see Blanc in nice um, to you know, embark on a rebuilding project a rebuilding, a rebuilding project that potentially comes with some funds and a lot of young players to to um, improve on um, and I think Nice obviously they have signed people like Schneider and they haven't really gone too well uh, this winter um, but they have got a lot of young players that can do the job um, Eric made the fantastic point earlier in the fact that you know, if he in two and a half years, can you really pick out a player that he's absolutely improved? There's absolutely there's none, which is the correct answer. Um, yeah, players have come in, but they haven't really gone you know, a step above into becoming formidable formidable players or, or leaving for big money. Um, and you know, there's some sort of pecuniary management surrounding some of the, you know, more interesting talents like Alexis um Surname escapes me truly. I think it was, um, uh, who, who hasn't, hasn't sort of has been on the bench more or less over the last couple of months. Um, so Laurent Blanc would be an interesting one for me. Um, but honestly, the market is wide open at the moment and the scenario makes it a bit difficult. Uh, but it's a fantastic project and I think one that deserves to have a, a better calibre manager than Vieira, the who I always thought was inconsistent at the best, I mean, even, even at the best moments that he's had enjoyed them his tenure, you know after five games he would follow five really, really awful games with surprise defeats. Um, so I don't think they ever got off the ground you know, too much, but we'll see
0: we'll see indeed. let's jump now into the weekend's uh, action, and we'll start at the Stade de la Mosson where Montpellier welcome. Paris Saint-Germain on Saturday, uh, PSG fresh off the back of their European triumph against Manchester United, uh, faced the Montpellier side who had won their last four matches but were without key man Andy Delors who had tested positive for COVID-19. Despite heavy rotation with Mbappe and Marquinhos on the bench and Novarati and Neymar, PSG ran out 3-1 winners thanks to a thunderbolt of a strike from Moise Kane and Kylian Mbappé's 100th goal for Paris Saint-Germain. Let's start with the home side. Um, Montpellier, um, you know, they had a, a decent performance. They managed to, to level things up and hold on until the 77th minute. minute. But they, um, they had 17 shots in the match and just two on target. PSG had 13, but six of theirs were on target. Eric, based on that stat and what you saw of the game, how big a miss do you think Andy Delors was here for Montpellier? I don't think we've got enough time left on the podcast. Underscore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what a difference he might have made in this match. It was funny. We had talked, I think, uh, on the preview show a few weeks ago uh, now about Monaco, who had been informed squaring off against PSG, and how they managed to win that match without Wesson Ben Yedder, Um, which, which was a surprise. Uh, but now you've got Montpellier coming to this match without Andy DeLore, who, you know, is so instrumental in his work rate, his physicality, um, the dynamism with which he plays to the way that Montpellier play, play, you know, whether it is three at the back or, as they have been playing more recently, a uh, 4-3-3 with Mavadidi up front. Um, they tried to replace him with Joaquin Um Not, you know, a player who offers more physicality than an alternative, like, say, Keegan Dolly might have. But I think that, uh, on the whole, just there's not a player who can replace DeLore. Uh, and play in that same way. I and mean, his, you know, I mean, Gates on the board has the physicality about him, but uh, doesn't quite have the aerial aerial presence or sort of the bustling energy that 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 Delore does. And I, I think that really just that just really told, um, especially against that that PSG defense. That you know, uh, with you know, with the, with the Timothy Pambelli in there, Abdu Diallo has not had the best of seasons either. Um, I think that um, I think that on the whole, you know, this. This was a match that was there for the taking uh for Montpellier, but uhcharion couldn't get the the balance right in terms of in terms of in terms of replacing uh uh replacing Delora in attack and it 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 was really it was frustrating you know i, I think we saw some we did see some good things umphi Mavadidi really does seem to be coming into his own. I know we had a bit of a tempestuous time at, at Dijon, but he certainly is is looking sharper. By the week for Montpellier, he looks like a, a good prospect or a good buy rather, as well as a good prospect for La Payette. Um One di- one last thing I did want to mention though was was Teji Sifanier. Um You know this player boy, was you know a revelation with Nîmes, and I and, and has looked good in stretches from Montpellier as well. But I think in the last month or so has really looked off the boil. Um, I'm not saying it's to the to the extent that Montpellier are winning, uh, despite him or because of him, more more than because of him. But um, you know, for a chance to really, you know, make an impression on a match at the highest level, it shows. Yes, Montpellier, you know, are are real contenders for Europe. Or, are, are, I think they would have gone top if they had won this match. I'm I'm not sure whether they would have overtaken Marseille. I have to look at the table. But I mean, certainly they would have ended the weekend. Uh, could have potentially ended the weekend in the top three, pending, other, pending the results of other matches. Um, so when the chips were down, you know, a player who, who's your record signing sort of disappears. And that was really uh, dif- difficult to see as well from, from a neutral perspective. I mean, I think that, you know, as much as we all enjoy the champagne football of PSG at their best, I, I do think that, you know, as, as holistic observers of Liga, and as neutrals as it would, would be, uh, maybe not Philip, but we, we do... You know, we want to see PSG have, have, have a tough go of it because it, it reinforces the idea that this is a competitive league, which it is to this point in time. I mean, Leon can go top if they win on Sunday, for example. But, again, yeah, um, just... Uh, just Stéphanie was disappointing. They missed lore. I, I don't think there's too much to take away from it other than that. Uh, they did give a good account of themselves, I think, if you take those two things into consideration, but... Um, yeah, not not the best outing from Montpellier, and I think that um, you know they they may slip further down down the ranks uh, as the season progresses.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting point you make there, Eric. I mean, uh, you you kind of summed up um um I think Montpellier perfectly there in kind of the the good, the good and the and the frustrating at least in this match. But you know, a, a lot has been made of this switch to a four three three. You know, does Zakarian kind of for the first time? at Montpellier, really making this big tactical change. I think fans were crying out for it for quite a while, this move away from a back three. But, um, but Mo, do, do you think that, that perhaps that switch to a 4-3-3, you know, a formation which maybe you would have expected to kind of get the best out of someone like Teji Savanier, could be to in part to blame for him going off the boil, perhaps, given the kind of coincide, coincidence of when, he's, when he's kind of, his form's kind of dropped off?
3: Yeah, sorry, I think Eric's made a fantastic point um in that you know he's definitely gone off the boil, but I doubt that is um part to do with any tweaks in the formation. Montpellier really have have, you know, played in that um cycle before. Um it's hard to say where you know where his performances have dropped off. He's looked um a bit unsure of himself, unconfident going forward, a lot of erroneous, erratic movement around the pitch. Um but it's it's hard to say I'm confident that he's he's a fantastic player and i'm 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 a bit um at the moment not concerned about how any further tactical tweaks by De Zakarian has limited uh you know just the effect Stefania's having on the pitch. I think the jury's still out for me on that one um you know from for i think with him um it's just hopefully a short sort of a temporary loss of form and that you will see him impose himself particularly in a, three, in a three-man midfield where Montpellier have, you know, have started with over the last, you know, a few, few weeks and months. Um, and will hopefully with the, with the return of uh, Andy Delors, um, he will be able to start imposing himself on that, on that area of the pitch.
0: Yeah, we hope so, because, you know, Tej Savanier is a is a joy to have in the league when he is uh when he's on form. Let's move on to uh Le and then. They um managed to navigate this difficult match pretty well, um, in what's been a very big week for them. Um biggest week individually perhaps for, for Kylian Mbappe who scored his hundredth goal for Paris Saint Germain. Um former Paris Saint Germain sporting director, Antero Henrique, uh came out and called him the god of French football after the match. So, you know, pretty pretty um, high praise there, um, Phil. As a as a as a our resident uh, Paris Saint Germain um, expert, uh, w- you know, hundred goals for Kylian Mbappe. What, in your opinion, has been his best or the most memorable for you during that time?
1: Well, I've been watching the uh, the videos. Well, maybe they they haven't come up with a top with a hundred PSG goals for Mbappe yet. And uh, I think the most special ones are the ones he scored out from outside the box because there's been so uh, so so few of them. Uh, if you if you look at it, it's a it's a lot of tap-ins. I mean, it's not I mean, it's not that easy to do otherwise. Otherwise, I think more people would would be doing it. But it's uh, yeah, there, there's very there's very few uh, shots from from outside the area. There's very few goals from outside the area. Uh it's uh it's mostly extremely confident um, cl- uh, clinical finishing in front of uh, in front of a goalkeeper. Um to be honest, the third goal he scored, so his one hundreds for the club. Um is um, is a is a typical Mbappé goal. You see a lot of tappings uh in, in those 100s. Uh, one hundred. Uh you see a lot of goals with his right foot, as he's a right footer. Um, and very few with his head, and he did come out and say that he needed to, he needed to improve uh, scoring with uh, with uh, with his head. Uh, he had a few chances that he that he squandered, and uh, I think it's yeah, I think it's good for him. Uh, he got uh, quite a bit of criticism for his performance at Old Trafford, which was which was below par. He didn't have a he didn't have a good game. He uh, he missed a very very. Big chance in a in a big game, and Neymar basically showed uh, sh- uh, showed the way the way it was uh, it was to be done in uh, uh, mentally and uh, and also by getting the all important third goal, which means uh, being uh, being top on um, on aggregate with uh, with Manchester United and Leipzig. And um, I think this this 100 goal you you can see he he still has this um, you know still not he's. Kind of obsessed with it, with uh, with him doing the 100 sign at Monaco when he uh, he thought he scored his well, his 100th goal for the club, but then because it was uh, called for offside, I believe that call was quite harsh. I don't remember because there were two offside goals, uh, two goals that were disallowed for offside, and one was almost correct and one was quite harsh. Um, and now I think it's, uh, it's good for his confidence. And um, I, I honestly think that the, what he what he really wants now is to is to end this uh, this Champions League jinx where he where he hasn't scored in a while.
0: Yeah, well, he may well have a chance to do that uh, this week as uh, tomorrow uh, Paris Saint Germain host Istanbul Bushak here at home, um, which in theory you have to say is the most straightforward match in the group stage. Um, but Thomas Tuchel has been wary after the Manchester United match. He said, being nearly pregnant is not being pregnant. That doesn't exist. We have made a big step forward, but I am not going to let a single guy think that we are already qualified. Obviously, trying to keep uh, expectations grounded uh, after that win against Manchester United. Um, Phil, this should be a fairly comfortable win, though. Um, And um, how do you see uh, Tuchel lining up the squad, given... Given how many players he rested this weekend,
1: it's, um, it's actually quite dangerous because he did uh, he he tried something uh, quite new in this five, five three two. He put uh, a backfield of Pembele, who is uh, who is actually a right back um, by by trade, but he's uh, yeah he showed he showed some good uh, some good stuff. Diallo as a central centre back. Oh. You see what I mean, and uh, Kozawa on, on that uh, on that left side. Kolan Dagba was uh, high up on the right hand side. He scored his first goal uh, for the club, so good on him. I'm expecting uh, something more of the same against uh, against Istanbul, who uh, have not performed too well away from home. And uh, I, I wouldn't actually be surprised if he still rested Mbappe uh, on, and Neymar and not start them. And then uh, if things uh, don't go to plan. Um, put them on put them on after after an hour or so I mean uh, the, uh, the marathon of games is almost over it's uh, it's, uh, it's nearly christmas uh, the players will be happy uh, to get uh, to get a bit of rest and um, but he, you, again he's going to be uh, he's going to be criticizing the press if he if he feels a too uh, too weaken uh, side and he's going to be criticized by the press if he if he plays the best starting 11 against Istanbul Basaksehir. here. Uh, a game uh, which, as the press, of course, are going to say we should we should be winning, should be winning five nil. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm expecting. If, if, yeah. If, if I may, yeah.
2: I mean, let's look back on that the reverse fixture of that Istanbul match. If they yeah. had better finishing, you know, I think PSG were lucky to get that result. Me too. You know, it's to hear again. I, I I take your your point. They haven't been great away from home, but I think they played with a lot of verve. And if they had had more quality in their finishing, they they would have made a game out of that. They they mm-hmm. made a game out of it against Leipzig in the last match day. Um, mm-hmm. I I think Tuchel is right to exercise caution. He should start a strong lineup tomorrow.
1: No, I agree. But again, that's what's been going. That's what's being said in in the media. I'm not saying I agree with it, but. uh uh, again, uh, that's what's <laughs> that's what's uh, being uh, uh, fo- following uh, following PSG in the media is uh, is these days uh, that uh, you can you can never never win. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that PSG is a is a five-nil side uh, superior to to Basaxi here, who have done quite well. I mean, they played a, an, an awesome game uh, against Leipzig, which was at home, which they lost at the at the very last uh, last gasp, um, a goal by I think it was so lost. Who scored for mm-hmm. who scored for Leipzig? So, not disrespecting uh, Istanbul at all. It's just just uh, how how the, the game is perceived here, and that whatever uh, mm. whatever's a result, people will probably will probably be, mo- be moaning. You know, you can't uh, can't change change. <laughs> yeah, that. I, I think that's a fair
0: point in the uh, in the in, you know the re- the reception of Paris Saint Germain in the media. Um, you know, not just in France either. I think you know either way, perhaps more so in France, but you know either way, whether if 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 Paris Saint-Germain aren't able to get a result or if they uh a strong 11 and and uh they do they kind of batter them here there may be kind of uh, accusations i guess of not not kind of heeding to the, the busy schedule but you know it, as eric points out it is going to be um it does have potential to be a bit of a tough game and 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 certainly when you consider as well that they did cause Manchester United problems and that um, a draw between Manchester United and, and and Leipzig in Leipzig, which is not beyond the realms of possibility, could you know could shake things up. So, so yeah, I think it would be um, pretty unwise for Tuchel to do anything but field a strong eleven in this one. Let's move on to uh, the second match on the weekend that we're going to be discussing, which is uh, Lille Monaco. Lille hosted a Monaco side in great form uh, at the Stade Pierre Mauroy on Sunday. Lille having secured Europa League qualification thanks to a two-goal cameo from Burak Yilmaz on Thursday night against Sparta Prague. Uh, Lille have struggled in their league um, matches after playing in Europe on a Thursday. Um, they hadn't won any of those, but did manage to win this one 2-1. Eric, I want to come straight to you on this one. Monaco had 60% of the ball, um, you know, the large share of, of possession, but Lille's, both of the Lille's goals were... Were kind of on the counter, uh, particularly the second when they kind of managed to to completely um, uh, exploit Monaco's high line. Uh, was this kind of was this a classic Gaultier counter performance from Lille?
2: Yeah, it was, and I, I think we need to also look at how how he did rotate his side uh, with a view to this game. I mean, you know, on Thursday, uh, Kone, who I thought had a great match yesterday, and Yilmaz were. We're only on the bench. The um, same thing with Ronaldo, but he who rotates his left backs fairly regularly no matter what. Um, and you, I think you saw the difference that uh, Ronaldo, or sorry, that Vicone and, and Yilmaz made uh, being fresh in this match. Even if Yilmaz had come off the bench and scored twice, um, you know, not having the rigor of having played so much football, I think made a difference. So, um, you know, I, I think that again, the Europa League has been Lille's bread and butter to date, but I still think, I mean, there might be more to come from, from Marseille and Lyon and, um, and even Monaco as well, but I think over the course of the season in Ligue 1, the team that have been the most concerned have been Lille. Um, and I think that, you know, the, as you said, you know, the results, the mask has started to slip a little bit in terms of results following the Europa League, and I think that Galtier. You know, being again you know, looking back at the afros and the Tuchley used, I mean they weren't all the way qualified. Um, so he didn't want to feel the totally weakened side. But uh I think he valued a result in this match. Um, you know, now they're three points clear of Monaco. Uh and he he saw this as an opportunity to make a statement about, you know, especially now that the Europa League is after next Thursday is going or after this Thursday is gonna pause for some two odd months. This is a chance for Lille to to you know underscore the fact that, that Galtier have used them as the second best team domestically and they want to get back in the Champions League. Um, and in, and yeah, tactically it was you know vintage Galtier playing on the counter um, using using the quality of those attacking players to get things done.
0: Yeah, and those attacking players uh, goal scorers uh, Jonathan David and Yusuf Yazici, in particular you know they were they were the difference makers ultimately and and they were also two who were quite heavily criticized after the uh Europa League tie on Thursday for being wasteful so you know they they came out and uh, and uh, and kind of demonstrated really that that the just the depth that even you know even on Thursday if they weren't able to perform they were they were really able to turn up for this one i I want to actually ask um mo i'll come to you um about Lille's left back situation which Eric kind of touched on there because obviously they have Reynaldo and and Braderich and they tend to kind of rotate between the two but Mm -hmm. Reynaldo was uh was praised pretty highly for his performance here and he made Lekip's team of the week um and um in the past it has we have seen more of Braderich in the league and Reynaldo in the Europa League but do, do you see this guy as someone who has the the quality to potentially win that spot um you know, win that spot on a uh, on a, uh, on a like regular basis in 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 the league.
3: Um, on a regular basis, I think um, not quite yet. But I think um, given the high level performances they've been uh, putting, like you say, in Europe and at, at the week at the weekend, he offers I think something different to to Raduic, who's more defensively minded, who who I think is in his play a bit more conservative um, than 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 Rinaldo. Um, but it offers obviously I think Gaultier a fantastic opportunity I think other clubs struggle to have two competing left backs or two left backs of similar and improving quality um, that he has at his, at his disposal so I think it's a fantastic development of riches in that position. Um, Renildo, I, I mean, as was discussed briefly here um, very um, interesting going forward um, on on uh, Yesterday, yesterday, um, going forward and interacting with uh, Bamba with his positional movement, his eye uh, defensively. I think he nullified that area of the pitch for Monaco pretty well. Um, I'd like to see. I mean, December is going to be a very difficult month for for Lille, um, especially since I think they've already played, what, two, two games, another one in Europe, although that one's probably quite moot um, this week. And then relatively, you know, Difficult games coming up, playing for every three days in league. And by the time Christmas comes around, they will have played what, perhaps, ten games in the space of just over four weeks. Um, so for that, there's going to be a lot of rotation. And what I like to see for Gaultier is using Redildo um, more and more uh, going forward. I think we'll have a first look at seeing who has nabbed that first spot in the, at least in the short term when Lille uh, entertain both PSG and Montpellier uh towards the end of the month just before the winter break. Um I think it's a fantastic test, as you say. It's only used one in the Europa League, which is um obviously they had did have a very difficult group, but um it's less of a you know hardcore focus sort of, for the club at the moment. I think the, the big focus is to return to the Champions League and to finish in the Podium in Liga and uh Brad Rich has obviously contributed to 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 that pretty well. Um, I'd like to see Reynaldo playing in those games, um, just to have a, more minutes, particularly in, in Ligue 1. Um, They're playing Bordeaux and Dijon next, um, over the next 10 days in Ligue 1. So, just to see more development. And then, um, I think Galtier he's going to be in a, you know, it's going to be a tough call, but it's going to be in a very good position to make with uh, two high-level competing left-backs.
0: Yeah I mean I think any European club as you said Mo would be would be kind of falling over themselves to have two first team quality uh players in a position like like left back. Um Phil I just want to come to you quickly uh, L- Lille have scored 24 goals um in their um opening 13 matches in the Ligue 1 season for the first time since 1981 1982 With that in mind is is this side Obviously, in, in a goal sense, yes, but, but you know, in terms of the kind of eye test, is, is this side better going forward or more dangerous going forward than the 18-19 side we saw, which had um, Pepe in the side as well?
1: Hmm. That's a, that's a difficult question. I'd say so. I'd say so. You have you have um, not only t- two forwards, I mean, uh, William 1st and burek we knew he was experienced. Um, I I honestly didn't think he would be uh, that much of a success. I mean, I, I knew he was uh, he was good, but uh, he's he's t- turned out to be uh, to be great. Yazid or Yezichi, uh, some commentators say Yezichi, some commentators say Yazidchi has been uh, has been very good too. But you've also got the wingers. You've got Bamba, who's been who's been good on the on the left. You've got uh, Luis Arrojo. Who's been good, uh, good on the on on not good on the left, but good on good on the right. Um, the difference would be, can they do that for uh, for for all the season? And I don't see much much of a bench. Uh, was actually going to to ask a to ask a general question. Uh, how does everyone uh, rate? Uh, what's uh, I don't remember his first name. Izak Isaac Izakiergi not not overly impressed by by what he has to what he has to offer offensively jonathan is, is another uh great asset offensively i mean yeah go, going forward going forward it's uh it's extremely it's extremely threatening and uh the mike mignon very good very good keepers then botman already already touched on it touched on it and uh and the uh, the GFN official account did uh, did tweet something uh, very positive about him. josefon still uh, yes he's old but uh, yes he's still very very good. There's um, shall we say um, uh, a positive rivalry between between uh, Renildo and Botman. Uh, and, Bart, and I think Selic is is the, uh, the general right back. Uh, uh, Thiago Juru is uh, uh, Jalu sorry. Is, uh, is, more, is more of a centre-back. Veneto Sanchez, if, if he stays fit, really great player. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we've had this, uh, this talk before that they could, they could threaten for the title. Just uh, the big question is, when do they lay off the Europa League? Now they're in the knockout stage. So, you know, it's uh, Galceus' move now.
0: Exactly. And their only defeat this season, um, that, that game against Brest, was one of those kind of post-European Hangover yes. matches, so so, and I do think they have more quality, kind of as you pointed out there, Phil, on a in a in terms of a squad than they did uh, they did back in the two thousand eighteen nineteen season, and and just just a quick take on on Isak Liadji. Liagi. I thought he looked bright uh, when he came on against Lyon a couple of months ago. Oh well, a month ago, whenever it was for a, for a brief cameo cameo there, and he's only eighteen, so you know I, I I think very much he is someone kind of is one for the future rather than. Like the uh, you know uh, 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 kind of to, uh, some of the to come in and out with the uh, current attacking players that the side have, um, Eric. Um, I know that you you caught this one, so I just want to get your take quickly on on Monaco's performance. Um, do you think, um, based on the, the goals that they conceded, um, do you think there was perhaps an element of naivety in terms of kind of how high they pushed, um, pushed forward, or, or or is that is that unfair?
1: Um.
2: Perhaps a little bit. I mean, if you look at those two central midfielders, in Chowmini and, and Fofana, you know, both of whom, particularly Fofana, have been excellent this season. Um, that center-back pairing of Badi and um, De Sazi. I mean, I think De Sazi is the oldest of those four, and he's 22. Um, you know, I, I think Kovac, again, is doing doing great things in Monaco. But, again, you know, this team, given its... I mean, I know we've got Cesc Fabregas, Kevin Voland... Um, and uh, Ruben Aguilar are players that do have experience, Benjamin Lecomte. But um, that so many players who are integral to this team are relatively young. Throw Sophie and in into there as well. Um, and Caio Henrique, again, is not particularly young. I think he's 23 uh, or 24, maybe, but hasn't played much in, in France, hasn't played much in Europe. Um, so there's improvement on the parts of these players. They, they clearly buy into what, uh, Kobach is doing but yeah again with with young players unless they're you know at, at, on a world-beating level you're going to have pardon me uh, a flip every now and then and I think that you know Kobach said after the match he didn't feel like there was much in the game um, I don't necessarily I think I would fully agree with that um, but yeah this wasn't this wasn't so decisive a, a win for Leo that I, I, I would say that you know, Kovac should throw in the towel or do something differently. It was, yeah, mistakes on the part of some younger players. Uh, I think the, the goal by Yadzichi came directly from a corner. I mean, again, that happens. Um, so, you know, Kovac has been, been in charge for four months. He's done far, far better than uh, h- any of his predecessors have. Um, you know, with the exception, I think you'd have to go back to twenty seven eighteen, uh twenty seven, twenty eighteen 2018 to, to see Monaco you know, at this level in terms of the table. So, uh, you know, let him keep doing that. And he's doing this also with, you know, a fairly thin squad. And, um, you know, perhaps fatigue is an issue as well.
3: Yeah. Um, Obviously, you were very pleased with your praise um, with Monica, I think, about two podcasts ago. um, We had this discussion. Um, They've lost. I mean, it's the first loss in about five games, but each of their losses would be exception well, with the exception of their win over Paris Saint-Germain, their one draw and four, you know, three other defeats um, against teams in the current top six, plus Rennes, shall we say, um, had obviously had they not lost this weekend, they probably would have been in the seventh or eighth. Um, their inability to win away um, at you know, the teams that they're going to be competing against, you know, their the, the rivals, so to speak. Do you think that makes them competitive still for, for the podium? Hmm. I knowing also they're going to play Marseille this weekend in the Belgium as well. <laughs> um, well, no, it, it, that is you know
2: 100 a germane uh, issue. We, we, you know, you could flip that on its head, right, and say that Marseille mm. haven't played that well this season, uh, relatively speaking. But their results on the road—I mean, what are they? Thirteen or fourteen unbeaten on the road, something mm. like that in league. Um, that ability to grind out results, even if they're not wins on the road, I think, yeah, is what makes a team a legitimate contender for the top three versus someone who can, who can step up to the Europa League. And I will say too that, you know, I, Monaco in the top three this season. I think, no, I think that the top three will probably remain as it is, although Marseille could, something, could have something to say about that. Um, I think maybe Leon t- tip-, p- tip Lille the second um, but I-, I think that um, yeah I-, I think that the-, Let's say the top four will remain as it is but I think Monaco are, are consistently the- consistently been on the balance of results the fifth best team in France I think it'd be hard, hard to argue that um, you know some of those early losses too came as you had a player like say Kevin Voland who's been a lot in a lot better form over the past six weeks or so really getting to grips with the league Caio uh, Henrique is emerging. He hadn't really been a real presence at that time. Uh, in this match, also, I, I think we should note that Wissam Ben Yedder came off on 57 minutes. He's clearly a player who's suffering from the ill effects of ha- having been diagnosed with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's look at this as, as as a chance for Kovac to develop this team. I don't think the Champions League is... I mean, that the, their ambition may be there for the Champions League, but I don't think they necessarily have the quality at this point in time. However... You know, given a, a you know a non-truncated uh, preseason. I mean, Kovac only came in in August. That's the thing we have to remember too. I think he was appointed August fourth. Um, preseason had started with Moreno in charge. Um, I think that he's making positive improvements. The team can finish in the Europa League places this season, and and then look to take that next step forward. If you know, Leon say, for example, have a, have a have as you know as expected a big player player turnover in the summer with the likes of AOR and. And Depay leaving. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, you make a good point. I don't think that they will finish in, on the podium. Um, but I, I do think that Kovac is moving things in the right direction in an exciting way. But, again, you know, with that, with those four players I mentioned, the midfielders and the central defenders, all being so young and, and relatively inexperienced, mistakes will happen and, and the team will get caught out against teams, especially against a team like, say, for example, that's managed by Christophe Galtier, who is, you know, you know, I think objectively has been the best manager in France for over the past decade, um, and has his teams, you know, well-drilled, you know, has had his teams well-drilled everywhere he's been.
1: Yeah, and behind the way. How, where's the finish last season, Monaco was, was it both and half or half? Tenth, Ninth I or think. or tenth, right. Yeah. I mean, I agree, I agree with Eric. Uh, top three is a, is a bit too... Um, uh, premature, I would I, I would say at, uh, for for that season. But uh, still, I think uh, fifth is a is a pretty solid bet, and I think the board would have taken that if you would have if you would have told them uh, a couple of months back with uh, with a new manager, with uh, still uh, lots of things going around in, uh, at boardroom level. And I think they would take that, and I think that's what, what what's going to happen. Uh, they may they may finish uh, finish higher, but I, I can yeah I can. I think I think at um, at this moment in time, uh, with what's been going on with the, with the performances, I think fifth is uh, yes, yeah, pretty much uh, how they how it uh, how it should uh, how it should be. There's no real reason why it shouldn't why why it should change.
0: Yeah, as you say, I think that would be. A, I think the the board would have taken that, given kind of the tur- the turbulence they've had to deal with in the last couple of years. I think that would be a good first season in French football for for Niko Kovac and and something to really build on going forward. I just I feel like it's it's been important to quickly touch on um, Pietro Pellegri, who who scored the the consolation goal for Monaco late on. Obviously, he was signed as a sixteen year old from from Genoa for twenty five million euros in January twenty eighteen, um, and his time it has been fraught with injuries um, at the Principality club. He's still only nineteen, but um, but Eric, do, do you think he'll he'll actually be able to stay consistently fit and? Or will these injuries have had a, a kind of an irreparable uh, impact on his, his fitness and, and his potential long term? Because that's that's now fifteen months between his uh, his two his two goals for Monaco. Uh,
2: I think it's too, still still too early to tell. Uh, I think what he needs to do is make himself um, the first choice off the bench because obviously, you know, it, it seems to be whether Monaco are playing a four two three one or four four two that Benyetta and Volland are going to start. Every match, I'm going to say every match because, you know, we may not have a Coupe de France and there's no European football for Monaco. Uh, if he can place himself ahead of the likes of Goebbels and, and Javatic and become that sort of first option off the bench, I think that's a, that's a, a good season for him. Maybe get, end up with five or six goals come the end of the season. Um, I mean, whew, that pass from Fabregas uh, was simply lovely. Um, you know, there is, there is opportunity for, to have good service, uh, whether he's playing alongside Voland or alongside Ben off the bench, um, you know, he's going to be giving good service. So baby steps, if he, if he can, you know, improve things a little bit and, and, and make himself existent threat from the bench. Um, yeah, then, then I think that's, that to me is a rebuttal to critics who would say, uh, you know, he's, he's looking to busted flush, um but you know we don't want to look at his age or his injury history we want to yeah we want to give him a chance to to continue that
0: he is still only 19 so you know you would hope that that there is still potential should he be able to uh able to stay fit and we hope he does because it's you know it's there's no way for a for a young player to be to be spending their career on on the treatment table in the way that that he has uh let's now move on to our final league match on the weekend uh where we had Lyon travelling to Metz Mets, who were uh, unbeaten in nine matches uh, prior to their defeat uh, against Brest last weekend, uh, hosted a Lyon side looking for their sixth win in seven matches. The home side got off to a near uh, winning an early penalty. uh, But Anthony Lopez was equal to the task, producing a fine save to keep out Farid Boulaya. uh, And it was a devastating performance from Lyon's front three as well as Lucas Paqueta in midfield, uh, which saw Lyon score three. Uh, Metz got one back on the scoreline, uh, but it remained 3-1, um, with each team uh, having to contend with a late questionable red card. More on that in a second. Uh, we, we spoke at, at quite a length about Lyon last week, but I do, Eric, want to get your thoughts on Carl Toko Akanbi. You know, he. He's in sensational form at the moment. That's six goals in, in six games, um, I believe. And, you know, uh, Memphis scored here as well and, and is so key. But I think it was two goals and an, and an assist for Toko Akambi. Is he now the main man in, in this Leon attack? Because it, it's starting to seem that way. Um, I still think that
2: team's play revolves around Memphis. But I think that the form that Toko Okambi is hitting... He's also hit the woodwork four times this season. Um... I think which more, is more than any other player player in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's still not a goal, but again, it, it shows that he is he is rounding into form. And I I think he is a player whose form has mirrored that of Leon's. Um, he didn't look particularly sharp to start the season. Uh, now he does look sharp. Um, you know, again, I, I think that Memphis is going to continue to be, to be the hub of this team, but. The selflessness and creativity with which uh, Toko Okambi plays uh, is being repaid to him in, in, in kind, and I think that he and I think it's it's good to see. I, I okay again as a Leon fan, I'll, you know, I I was not a huge fan of the signing of him. I I, I thought it ran counter to um, the team's sporting strategy, and you know, especially given how he didn't really. Uh, Sparkle in the the uh, in either the 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 final eight or in um, even after he had arrived in in the league. I mean, it was more like needs must, mm-hmm. right? We had uh, Memphis Depay and Jefferney Adelaide out for what we thought was the season, um, and they needed a replacement. He was out of form, out of favor at Villarreal. Knew the French league. Um, came in, didn't really impress. Um, then they made the signing of him permanent. I think his the fee was eleven or twelve million. Um, but now he looks, he looks well on his way to be justifying that. And I think it's no coincidence that for the matches he's been informed going back to Lunderva Strasbourg, which, in which I think he scored a double, um, that his good form has, has dovetailed very nicely with Leon's that, you know, the, the, the team is feeling a lot less collective pressure by having, uh, an inform attacker like that. And, and that, that sort of confidence is, is, is what's fueled, um, their rise up the table
0: um we we we've we have, um in, in my time on the podcast yet kind of had to talk about any major kind of decisions with regards to officiating uh, in a match and you know Leon were, were brilliant here and and um and uh, you know the, the the red cards that came late on would not have have changed the outcome of the match i think it's fair to say um uh, but mo what, what did you make of the refereeing here because you had John boy sent off for uh, for Metz for um, uh, colliding with Marcelo, I suppose you could say, in the box. I heard it described as a punch, which seems pretty—it seemed pretty innocuous to me, uh, but slightly more understandable perhaps than the Ryan Cherky red card at the other end, where uh, the Leon youngster was sent off for colliding with the Mess goalkeeper, uh, Alexander Ukija. Yeah, what did, what did you what did you make of those uh, of those decisions? <laughs> I
3: thought, yeah, no, I thought it was quite shocking. Um, as you mentioned, I think the first the first incident involving Boy was sort of not within the realms of, you know, impossibility. I think, you know, nine times out of ten, perhaps, you know, it wouldn't be a red card, but, you know, it, it, there, there are times where, where it's going to be judged uh, that way. As for, as for Turkey, I implore all of our listeners to go back on, on you know, YouTube and have a look at that and decide for yourself because I'm absolutely certain hundreds of the time, that's not a red card. And it's mm-hmm. not for me that the referee um, saw that as a red. It's that he went to the VAR um, to check and they validated that. Um, because, I mean, I know we haven't had a chance to talk about referee, as you said, in, in, in this podcast over the last couple of weeks, but um, what, what, what does clear and obvious stand for? You know, errors. I mean, that's what VAR is all about. So you have an attacker who, you know, rightly so, um, chases the loose ball collides with the goalkeeper, unfortunately, has no intention, does not leave a leg in there. It's just the speed that he's going and the goalkeeper rushing out, there's going to be a collision. And there's no sort of aftermath consequence that you get in some of these 50-50 challenges where much of the pain comes when players are returning to sort of the ground and you know they're stepped on or et cetera. There's nothing like that. It's just a, sort of a typical collision as you would expect. No intention, No um, nothing to justify serious foul play um and and to give a red card you know well, apparently is the youngest player to ever receive a red card in mm-hmm. as well i i don't know what the referee is thinking i don't know if he saw the angle you know a specific angle uh but the fact that the people that have the images and are able to replay and play in slow motion and anything it takes to come to the correct decision to um to, to give a red card is, is, is a bit surprising. And I think, in any instance, if the governing bodies rescind a red card for a few days after the incident, then you just got to look at the referee in question and the refereeing team to ask how they came to that decision, because that's what's absolutely going to happen. The LFP will, will meet and they will rescind. Um, and I'll be astounded if they do not, because it it sort of took the loss away from, I think, what you said was, was a very good performance for... For Leo, I think they can all be very pleased with that. I think after the Monaco game, I think this is probably their second best performance of their season, uh, from my perspective. Um, because we mentioned a lot of how they're slowly, you know, get grinding their gears in, 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 you know, in creating and finishing off attacking chances and dominating the final third. And they've had glimpses of that. I think their massive issues have been... Um, you know converting converting opportunities and in this scenario they're they're dominating games fluidly um there's more fluidity understanding between the front three and it's, it goes on throughout the game and you have you know players like uh Cherky coming in later on who can who you can change against Dembele as well they've got a rotating um sort of cast of players that can do can do damage throughout the game and Cherky comes on and we you know, ten minutes or so is, is sent off for for something that absolutely should not have given. I think it's it just takes the boss away and can can take some of the momentum away from some players who've been performing very very well. But hopefully that gets rescinded.
0: Yeah, hopefully so. And 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 as you say, Leon really do look like a side who are who are kind of improving, um, uh, especially with the kind of cohesion between that front three and Lucas Paqueta looks to be adapting to the league every week. So I think it's exciting times for OL, especially, um, you know, as we've touched on before, given the lack of European football that they have. Um, I do want to touch on, on Mets, though, because we haven't uh, spoken about them for a, for a while. Um, um, Phil, I'll come to you for this one. I, I want to I get your thoughts on the coaching situation, because in, in late October, um, Frederick Antonetti kind of retook over his role as head coach. He left in, in 2018 to be with his wife. Uh, who was ill and has since tragically passed away, um, working as general manager from his home in Corsica, Vincent Ognon oversaw the majority of their promotion um campaign um from Ligue 2 and the entirety of last season and also their strong start to this season. Um but with Antonetti coming back, which you can kind of understand, um I think the club kind of left the door open for him. Uh Ognon chose not to not to not to stay and, and, and go back to his role as, as assistant. But with their brilliant run somewhat faltering as, uh, of late, you know, with two draws and two defeats, do you think this could be linked with, with Antonetti taking over again? Or is it simply a case of kind of back to reality in terms of um, the level of performance that we would expect from a side who uh, will struggle, um, uh, who expected to struggle this season and kind of especially given the, the absences that they have to deal with?
1: I think the side overachieved in terms of result uh, taking, um, taking advantage of other sides' um, shortcomings. Like, uh, Reims were in a very difficult position after three games, and, then, and they, they go at Metz, they lose 2 1. Marseille uh, don't start the European campaign very, uh, very well. Um, uh, Metz visit Marseille, it's 1 1. They beat Lorient 3-1 next. Uh, Lorient, who are still very, very bad, I think we'll, we'll we'll have to talk about them at some point during this campaign because it looks like they'll be they'll be they'll be down there. Um, and Saint Etienne is the same thing. Saint Etienne won a really bad bad one. Then they visit visit Metz. Nîmes pretty much the same. And and now I think uh, things are starting to uh, to to be more uh, settled. Uh, bear in mind that we have only played certain games. Um, and there's only what two to play uh, in tw- in 2020, uh, so that's four less. That's four less than um, actually no, it's three, that's three less than uh, than in the regular season, where you know the the the, the year is cut in half. So 19 games played and now 19 games to go. So it's like a perfect uh, uh, equal, shall we say? Then there's a um, uh, yes. Uh, I do speak a bit on um, to to Mets fan who uh, who really took uh, took very very badly to sale of Abby who who's turning up to be a quite astute signing to Strasbourg. So no, no need. I don't need you to tell me what the, the love lost there is between Strasbourg and Mets. And it's you know it's uh, it's it's sort of the Strasbourg is is like the the opposite where they have a have a good squad. Um, they there's no real reason for them to concede so many goals in their scoring lows but there's a worse defense worse defense in the um, in the league um I, I just can't see Mets uh, keeping their head above water uh, that long and I think that um, they'll be uh, concerned by relegation not saying they, they'll go down but not not overly. Uh, not overly worried for them, but I doubt they'll finish top half. I doubt that uh, they, they'll be enjoying streaks um, uh, without uh, uh, wins, Sorry, without without losing.
0: But do we? But I mean, I mean, Mo. I don't know what your thoughts on this. Do you think that the that the I understand what you're saying, Phil, in terms of the their the strength of their squad and the players that they've lost. Um, Diallo, obviously, a particularly big blow. But but do you think, Mo, that this kind of coaching decision um, or, or coaching change, I suppose, has, has had a part to play? Because it must be pretty disruptive, no?
3: I think not only is it disruptive, but it shows a clear sort of lack of intent, a clear lack of um, creativity and understanding. I think we've spoken briefly um, when your left, that it's the same sort of guys are getting the same jobs and without... Any sort of major success, yes, I know. You know people like Eric Duprez and, and, and Antoine Griezmann and Kovare—they've they've got some success in in turning around teams at the bottom of the table. But it's been, you know, it, it always sort of seems to end in t- particularly as the league adapts, as as you know, um, more is required of of teams uh, to be more cunning, more daring in their football, not to be the same defensively. Um, astute teams um, looking to only sort of nab points against those around them in the table. I think Ligue has become richer. for it. I think that was definitely the case about 10, 15 years ago. Um, so for, for for Mets to return to that, I thought Hong Yong was a, in particular a very weird choice at the time, but it's a choice that ultimately paid off. And I think it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's a consequence of how football management Goes on that teams rotate coaches quite a lot, but where do Mets see themselves with the introduction of Frederic Cantonetti Because they've not looked as dangerous, particularly at home uh, of of late, um, as they did. I know they they've got wins right at the beginning of the season against relatively poor teams, but last year they were very formidable, in particular at home and um, and uh, it, it both in mean, India they were playing a nice brand of attacking football. A pacey football um you know producing fantastic forwards, I know you know there have been struggles like you mentioned with the management of um of um Diallo, who'd left to Strasbourg and thena uh not being not being around um so where 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 two next for Mets it's hard to see um i think I think as the season goes on, I think we'll have a clearer picture but. For now, I think it's, it's, it's a shame that they've gotten maybe two steps back, I think, with this introduction. Um, it's not particularly the end of the world um, because um, they've got still quite a long way to go for the rest of the season. They've got some perhaps winnable games uh, coming up, but um, I, I suspect teams like Nantes and Etienne will come good and the table will will settle in the next couple of weeks so um, I don't want them to become like the Norwich or France where you're going to be yo-yoing between Ligue 1 and Ligue 2 um, each year um, I think there just needs to be a step up
0: We'll see how they uh, get on as the season progresses because as you say I think it's it's kind of too early to call um, right now and it does certainly seem like this run has got them in a relatively healthy position and there are teams that are performing worse than them for now, as long as we don't have too many teams kind of doing a Strasbourg and, and <laughs> turning things around quite emphatically in in one fashion. But then again, you can't play nonce every week. Let's um, move on finally to have a brief look at, at Olympique de Marseille, um, who are going into their uh, final Champions League match uh, away at Manchester City on Wednesday. Um, uh, OM, who we perhaps wouldn't have needed to, to preview um <laughs> going into this European week, had they not pulled out a win against Olympiakos and ended that, that run, um, you know, and the side who we have discussed um, are doing particularly well domestically, if not kind of inconsistent performances in consistent results. Somebody on Twitter, very tab shared uh, a table of points per game, which of course has OM uh, at the top of the league because they do have a couple of games in hand. Um, Mo ahead of the Man City game. Obviously, um, uh, Marseille have a chance here to uh, qualify for the Europa League. Perhaps an outside chance, uh, of course, given Man City's quality. But then again, Manchester City, you know, don't have uh, have anything to play for here. They've already topped the group. So, um, how do you see um, how do you see this one uh, planning out um, from um, OM? And particularly, I'm particularly interested in how you think Avb will set the team up tactically, given that he kind of switched things up for the, the last game against Man City. How do you, yeah, what do you see happening happening here?
3: Yeah, it's a bit of an unfortunate one. I think the stars of a line from Marseille to to get get something essentially from from this European campaign. If it's not going to be continued participation in Europe, there's three million euros at stake. Uh, which the club can't sniff its nose at if they, if they mm-hmm. do clinch a victory. Um, first 3 million, obviously, that did come in last week thanks to a pair of Dimitri Payet penalties. And I, I think, as many people know, Massey didn't play at all well. Um, it was a very, very fortunate victory. Um, City will rest, um, judging by the team that they put out at, against Fulham at the weekend, um, and with the Manchester Derby coming up. And like you said, they've wrapped up the table. Um, you're going to expect, um, you know, Players that don't aren't in the sort of first team at the moment, around um, just off the team, you know, Fernandinho probably will come back here, etc. Players are on the fringes of the first team. Um, you know, Villas Boas has a chance and Marseille have a chance to claim, you know, even if, if the European coming were to end tomorrow, a chance to salvage some respect. Um, Marseille, I think, I, and the way the ADB has taken to hard sequences of games where you're playing you know, difficult teams in quick succession. Um, I think this sequence of Man City, Monaco, and then Wren is not at all dissimilar to what we faced last year with PSG, uh, Lille, and then Lyon um, in AVB's uh, first couple of months in charge. First game, absolutely. Even though, it was also one that fans obviously look forward to the most, being the Classico, etc. And was very sort of nonchalant towards that game. I think it will be the same here tomorrow. He's not made any secret of the Champions League, you know, being abstract, not so much a distractor by his side, but being one that he knows he's sort of powerless to sort of match the quality um, is beyond OM at the moment. And now obviously he can be lucid in that. The club have made clear mistakes in how they've approached these games. Uh, But at the end of the day, there's a great sequence going on in... In, in Ligue Marseille, you know, can uh, continue this fine record um, playing, you know, Monaco and Wen over the next couple of weeks um, and then difficult trip to Angers as well to close out at the end of the year. Uh, but then in early January, because of the French Cup being postponed, we'll be playing uh, the rearranged game. So we could be in a position perhaps a month from now to be as close to top, if not top, as possible. So I think Villas-Pelos will we'll trade that, any, any sort of result tomorrow for that. Um, so who will we see? I think things very clear not to set up in that 3 formation where Marseille really looked like deers and headlamps, stuck in headlamps um, in the first game where it was a formation they were very uncomfortable with, where Donjic and Tovan did not know sort of what their roles were. And Man City not only just sort of chipped away at the team for Valentine Roger made a mistake, and then the rest was history. Um, I think we should be looking at something perhaps closer to the 43-3 um or 4-4-2 diamond that OM have uh played with for the majority of the season. I think it's a possibility uh to see Valet Chaman in the starting lineup. He he got a goal um at, you know, on, at the weekend. I think he'd be rewarded there with Donny still out. Um and then resting, I think in that midfield you could see Pap gay back, and in defence um, the introduction of Leonardo Balardi. That is, if if he is as I think is going to sort of make a couple of changes. I like to see the first eleven. I like to see um, the best XI possible to try and get a point, if not a victory, because Man City will take the gas off, and their form in match day six has been a bit inconsistent over the last couple of years, particularly at home. Um, off the gas, so I think it'll be a great way for French football to end uh, what's been a relatively dire Champions League group stage campaign and a way for Marseille to save some honour. Um, obviously, they'll have to better Olympiacos result, um, and Olympiacos will also be facing Porto, who have really not much to play for other than pride. Um, so it's going to be a tall ask, but you know, it would be a massive fillip to the team, to the fans, to the players, and to the league in general. If they can pull off a result, know that it's still there, because I think massive question marks have remained over Legan's quality this year. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to, for sure.
0: Yeah, it does seem like uh, the impossible task, as you say, given given you know the fact that Porto um, and Olympiakos. Um, uh, it's obviously going to uh, matter what happens in that one, and and they will need OM will need to better Olympiakos result, and, and I mean, Porto just, don't just have... before...
3: Just go before on. I close out there, the most annoying thing I think about all of this is that had Marseille won 3 1 last week, um, as long as Porto sort of took points of Olympiacos, um, that would have been fine. Head to head, they would not have had a better Olympiacos result. Both could have lost tomorrow and it could have been as you were. But the team did not go looking for that third goal when it was 2 1, they shut up shop, which I thought was absolutely maddening. <laughs> Maybe something was it-
0: Maybe. And there you go, you know, head to head forever, forever the bane of the, the existence of clubs in the Champions League group stage or those who are uh, on the receiving end, I suppose. But I don't know. I have a good feeling about this one. You know, as you say, City's form in, in match day six in the Champions League. Uh, Guardiola, you know, he, he'll he want to rest players here. Um, and, and Marseille now have the monkey off their back of the uh, you know, they've got the record. They They can they can they can. They can rest easy knowing that that's done now and they can uh, throw, throw the kitchen sink at this one. But, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, anyway, um, that will be all from us uh, this evening. Thanks very much for joining me tonight, guys. As always, make sure you're following us at GFFN on Twitter for all the latest news from the world of French football. And please check out our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com. Uh, I'm Jake Smales and I've been joined by Philippe Bagiel, Mohamed Ali and Eric Devin. Stay safe, enjoy the football and have a great week.